Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guest on the Goodyear Hotline will include Zach Lowe in 15 minutes to talk about my major concern in the NBA about too many threes. The list today is about all the ways that sports have become better in the pandemic. Bubba's got who you got. Baseball is shaking things up. And Deshaun is Dagon. All that and more. Let's do it on a Friday. Here we go. Go, go. Only one place to start. And that one place is with the breaking news from the NFL this morning. It's not where I planned to start, but it just happened. And that is Cam Newton signing back with the New England Patriots. I'll admit I'm surprised. My Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless is I did not think this was a direction New England was going to be the least bit interested in going. I root for Cam. I've always liked him. I liked him in college. I liked him coming out. And I think he has had a sensational career. But as I've said on this program many times, I think the only reasonable answer to the question, is Cam done, is to say, it sure looks like it. That's what it looks like as you watch him play. And so the the idea that they're bringing him back, and Mike Reese, our Patriots reporter, is telling me uh, on TV this morning that he thinks right now the likelihood is fair that Cam will be their starter week one. Listen, I want to be as fair to him as we can possibly be. They had a truncated offseason. He got there right before it started. There were no preseason games. Half the thing was on Zoom. He had no time to learn the offense. He showed up. He played okay at the very beginning. Then he got the coronavirus. So he was behind the eight ball before it started, and then he fell further behind it. Whatever step he had taken forward, he took four more steps back by getting COVID, and then the rest of the season was just kind of a slog and a mess. So in fairness to him, he probably didn't have a chance. That said, I perceive the Patriots and Bill Belichick with all their salary cap space and a higher draft pick than they're accustomed to having at 15 and everything else, I perceive this as a year that they want to go for it. I don't think they think Buffalo is unbeatable. I don't think they're afraid of Miami. And the Jets are at the beginning of a rebuilding process. I think the Patriots have every intention of winning that division and making a run. And do you think they can do that with Cam Newton? I don't. I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see him recapture the magic. I've always found Cam very likable. And he's still young. He's only 31 years old. He certainly has plenty of time to have a real second act here. Uh, but he's been banged up. It's, it's a bit of a cautionary tale about allowing your quarterback to run as much as he runs. He just gets hit a lot more than quarterbacks typically get hit. So we will see. But I would be surprised if this is the last move they make. What makes sense to me is that perhaps this is the move you make when free agency starts next week. And if you're going to try and sign any receivers, they're going to say, who's your quarterback? Your answer can't be, well, we'll see. At least now you can say, well, we've got Cam. And a lot of players like Cam. He's a popular figure around the league. So I I get it from that standpoint. But I'll be surprised if he's the start of their week one. I'd love to be pleasantly surprised. We'll see if that's what winds up happening. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. Meanwhile, the NBA has suspended the season. Rudy Gobert has tested positive for the coronavirus. A night the NBA and sports in this country has never seen. Oh, what a long, strange year it has been. I wanted to take just a moment aside to talk about this and then move on from it. I have done my best from the moment the pandemic began as I've been on the air with you pretty much every single day since. I've done my best to stay with sports here. Let's just talk about sports. Let's talk about things that bring us joy and things that bring us community and things that bring us together and not not dwell in what we are living through. But I think it is appropriate on this day 
to take a moment to look back on what a long, strange year it has been. And I so vividly remember coming into the studio a year ago today and wondering what on earth was happening and having no idea what would happen next. I remember that day well. It was a Thursday. I did the show. I did my TV show. I wasn't back on radio yet. Did the TV show. Went home. Took my son Stephen to do an errand. We went to a, a, a place that you rent ski equipment. He had been invited with a bunch of friends to go on a little ski trip. It was a trip that would never happen. In fact, as a corollary to that, we rented the equipment. We went home. The pandemic hit. The store we rented it from closed. It went out of business during the pandemic. I have spent a lot of time trying to figure out what to do with the equipment because I can't get in touch with anybody. One of those weird things that could only happen during this time. I got a call that afternoon, that Thursday, to say we want to do a special in the afternoon. All this stuff is getting canceled. All these college basketball games, everything else that was supposed to happen, it's all getting canceled. Greeny, we need you to do a special in the afternoon. Great. We did two shows that Friday. Then spent, went home on the weekend, spent a ton of time on the phone. What are we going to do? Came in Monday, Tuesday, to our studio here in New York. Laura Rutledge was working with me at the time. She and her family went back to Alabama when it was clear they were closing down the city of New York. That was going to be all over. Wednesday, I did the show in this studio all by myself. As I was leaving, they told me, Greeny, we're closing our studios. You can't come back here tomorrow. I called Stace. She said, stop at the apartment in the city and get the plants, get the flowers. I stopped at the apartment in the city, picked up our plants, put them in the car, went back to our house in Connecticut. It would be four months before I would be back in New York City again. If you told me that that day, I, I don't know how I would have handled it. I wouldn't be back in this studio again until the day after Labor Day. I was in Bristol doing the show for six months. And I will tell you that the day I walked back in here, I actually got choked up. I walked back in. I saw people. Brandon is sitting right here right now. Stage manager. Been with me from the, the day that we launched Get Up. I got choked up just seeing everybody. Just being back here. Just being back in what felt like the place that you belong. And so that's the story of that day and my little tiny journey through it. You have yours. I have mine. The question, I guess, is where are we now a year later? What I'd like to think is we are wherever we choose to be. I'm feeling as optimistic as I have in a very long time. Like you, I've had a lot of moments over the course of this past year where I have felt down, sad, scared, angry, confused, frustrated, and there have obviously been so many things beyond the pandemic. You would think a global pandemic shutting down our entire society would be the most impactful thing that has happened over the course of any period of time. But of course, it was also a year in which we saw unprecedented movement in the areas of social justice and injustice and the most contentious, for lack of a better word, presidential election of my lifetime and maybe of any lifetime. So we've lived through all of that. And it was a long, cold winter for those of us who live in cold cities. But the sun's been out the last few days. It's been kind of nice. Feels like things are starting to turn. Vaccine is out there. A lot of people getting it. A lot of places are starting open where I live. Hopefully they are where you live. Hopefully life is coming back a little bit. So that's my answer to the question, where are we now? Wherever we choose to be. I'm going to do my best to choose to be in the best place I can find. And I invite you to join me there. We'll be here talking about it every single day. And with that thought in mind, I'm getting back to sports. And that's what I'm here to do. That's what I assume you want me to do. And that's what we're going to do together today, tomorrow, and for the unforeseeable future. I was going to say the foreseeable future, but I'd like to think it's going to go even beyond that. All right, coming up, are analytics killing my favorite sport? 
And if so, how do we save it? I will ask the exact right person that question next. I'm Greening. This is ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. My buddy Zach Lowe will join me here in just about a minute. I want to set this topic up for him so that we can dive into this because I've been talking about it a little bit here for the last two days. I asked Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, about it yesterday on this show. But there's no one I want to talk to about it more than Zach Lowe. There's no one whose opinion on this I will value more. And so if you are... Uh, new to this, let me just set it up again, okay? It's starting with this. Here's the deal. Analytics are sports now, all right? They have taken over. People are making decisions upon which millions of dollars rest, and they are not going to do that on a hunch in sports any more than you would if you ran a network or an automaker or an airline or literally anything else. And I broke it down into three basic groups amongst the three sports I follow the most closely. Analytics have been great for football, because they stress the things that enhance the watchability of the sport, purely by coincidence. They've been devastating for baseball, and now I believe they've become a real problem for basketball. And I can sum it up by telling you that the three-pointer, the three-point shot, now represents almost 40% of all shots taken in NBA games. That is up 61% over the last 10 years. And in correlation with that, the lowest scoring in the t- league in the uh, excuse me the lowest scoring team in the league right now the Cleveland Cavaliers are averaging more points than the highest scoring team in the league averaged 10 years ago and my favorite thing about the MJ Bulls who I you know sort of grew up in the business covering 
was when the game started, they'd walk out on the court and they'd say, how do you want to play tonight, guys? Because we'll beat you either way. You want to run up and down the floor and, and try and play a high-scoring game? We got you. We'll beat you that way. You want to walk it up and down, play defense, turn this into a slog? We'll beat you that way. My concern is there is only one way to play now. That there will only be one legitimate way to try to win, and that is to just hoist up threes. Because the percentages dictate it. I asked the commissioner, Adam Silver, about it yesterday. You want a diverse game. And and I think you recall, Mike, my early days in the league, everyone used to complain there was too much dunking. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that we had a lot of great athletes in the league, but they weren't skilled in the way that you see a lot of these players now. So are we at the right balance? I'm sure there may be some adjustments we, we can make. I mean, I think, again, there's, there's so much great about the game right now. But the three-point line in particular is something we'll continue to look at. So that was Adam Silver with me yesterday. Here is Zach Lowe. He is the host of the Low Post podcast, which is my favorite basketball podcast, and he's a regular with me here and on TV, and I don't think anyone has better insight into this stuff than Zach does. So, Zach, welcome, and thank you as always. And let's just, let me just start with the most basic question. Do you perceive the proliferation of threes that are being taken right now in the NBA to be a problem? Only slightly, and here's the reason. You're right on the raw numbers and that everyone's taking a ton of threes and the curve goes up and up. Like I, I wrote this column seven years ago, are there too many threes in the NBA? And if you go back and read that column, it's almost charming. I have a line in there that's like, are we going to have an NBA where teams take 73s combined in a game regularly? Like, How about 90? But here's the thing I'll put to you, Greeny. Here's what I would ask you. What if I told you that the percentage of shots that are jump shots is about the same today as it was 15 years ago and 20 years ago. In other words, we haven't lost dunks and layups or even floaters or hook shots. We've just turned mid-range jump shots into three-point jump shots. Is that is that that big of a problem to you? Does it bother you that much if I, if I uh, characterize the change that way? Because that's what it is, really. If you just say that, it doesn't bother me. But there is something that I feel like I'm seeing that is different from that that the objective of the game has now become to try to create the best look at a three you can get, and pretty much only that. And there are a lot of other ways to go about trying to play basketball, and teams, I feel like, have gotten away from that. And again, I'll I'll give you numbers that I know you know. But Kevin Arnovitz wrote this piece the other day. Teams are shooting 40% on the corner three. In order to match that efficiency, which is to say 120 points per 100 possessions, you would have to average taking two-point shots from inside of four feet. Once you take a shot from five feet from the basket, it's not as good a shot as the corner three. And there's just something about the rhythm, the flow, and the, the feel, and, and just the experience of watching the game that feels like it's been impacted more than it sounded when you said that. There, there's no question. I mean, it's not, it's not just the corner threes, right? It's that how many times, and we just saw the Nuggets do this right before the All-Star break, where you have a four-on-one and nobody goes to the rim, and someone just takes a three. That happens all the time. So you, you want to hear a crazy rule suggestion that our colleague uh, Kurt, Kurt Goldsberry suggested a couple years ago, Green? Yes, of course. He said to, to counter the, the corner three and how you have this whole new species of players that really started with Bruce Bowen through P.J. Tucker. He said, well, we have all these rules. Like There's rules that make it hard for big men to post up, like we, we widened the lane because Will Chamberlain became too dominant and all that. How about we institute a three-second violation for the corners. How about you just can't stand in the corners for like 10 seconds on every possession? I think that's a little wacky, but it's interesting. I I would put it, I I like the idea of what if we shrunk the lane back a little bit? Like I love post-ups, Greeny. I know you love post-ups too. Mm -hmm. They're fun to watch. 
And I think one of the joys of this season has been that Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic are dominating in a different way. And I think it's important to note there's still different ways to win. But what if we help the post-up guys a little bit by shrinking that lane? Like every rule change is, is designed to help guards and shooters. Why don't we give the big guys a little help? I mean, there are ways to change this if we're worried about everyone playing the same style. Right, and that's exactly why I wanted you. Again, Zach Lowe is with me on the Goodyear Hotline. Goodyear celebrating March deal days with month-long service and savings. Visit GoodyearAutoService.com for offers. What what you just said is something that Nuno brought up yesterday, our producer, um, the idea of changing the dimensions of the court. That's one way to do it. Another way that you could do it, and, and I don't mean instead of, but perhaps in addition to, is to move out the line. Adam Silver actually said that to me yesterday. They've adjusted the distance of the three-pointer historically. They moved it in closer first, then they moved it out further. If you were to move it back a foot or two feet, just something that would start knocking the percentage down a little bit, um, that maybe that would address this. Would you? What would you think of an idea like that? I actually don't think it would do very much to change the game. In fact, it might. It might make the spacing so wide that it's even harder for defenses to compete because they are going to have to guard these guys even further away at that point. And it might create sort of more layups, which is maybe what you want because of all the spacing. But it's, it is, it is something that I I don't particularly think that's a great idea, but it's something to consider. But look, the biggest, the biggest issue is, I mean, if you really wanted to tackle this, if you actually really wanted to do it, the biggest issue is that three is just too many more points more than two. It's only one point, but it's 50% more points. The value difference is so big that it, it the math, as Kevin wrote in that piece, it just makes sense. Like if a regular basket were worth three points and what is now a three-pointer were worth four points, just that change, the percentage change is so much less that it would change the math. The three is just so much more than two in a game of finite possessions, and that's what it's, it's like astonishing that it took the NBA so long to figure out that that inefficiency was just sitting right there. The value difference is, is the reason we're having this discussion. It's exactly right. It is, 50, it is worth 50% more, and it isn't anywhere near 50% harder to do. So it just stands to reason that teams would go ahead and do it. Another thing that Arnovitz pointed out, and again, I strongly recommend reading this piece. For anyone who's interested in this conversation, Kevin Arnovitz wrote a, did a real deep dive into this on ESPN.com, and it's really good. Um, another thing he suggested is capping the number of three-point shots you could have in a game, Zach, which is to say, not that you can't shoot from out there anymore, but that only up to a certain number would those shots be worth three. So we pick a number. I don't know how many it would be, but let's just say you can have 20 threes or 25 threes or even 30 threes in a game if you wanted to. But once you have hit that many, then for the rest of the game, that shot is only worth two points for your team. It's crazy. I mean, it's, I, was, I was laughing the other day on the air. Imagine Jeff Van Gundy analyzing that strategy now at the end of a game. You know, they don't have any more threes left. Um, but it's an interesting idea. What do you think of that one? I want to know who the who the person is behind that idea because I need I, I bet I know this person and I need to have a long talk with them about how they came up with this idea. I think that's the kind of idea that sounds cool when you read it, and then the more I thought about it, the more I I, I thought, well, I you know, the great thing about basketball is that you just play it in a flow, right? You don't like the best basketball happens when you stop thinking and you have great chemistry and everybody knows what the next read is and you just play. I'm not sure I want to introduce another thing that makes me have to think, 
okay, we've shot seven threes already. Is that too many threes? I don't want to pass to that guy. I can't shoot this three. I got to. I just want guys to play, and I feel like a rule like that would would get in everybody's head all the time. Me too. I, I'm I'm not in favor of it either. Um, although I do love that people are thinking that way. Greeny and Zach Lowe is with me on the Goodyear Hotline. I, I continue to think that some change in the dimension of the court. Which is not an unprecedented idea. Like, like people are making much bigger changes. The, N- the NFL is about to add a 17th game, for crying out loud. The changing the length of your season is a much bigger change than making the little adjustment that we're making here. So, so I guess what I'm taking from this, though, and again, there's no one whose opinion on this stuff that I, I'm more interested to hear. You do not perceive this to be the level of problem that some other people perceive it to be. I don't. I, I do get why people think that. But I don't for a couple of reasons. Number one, I do. I think there's more stylistic diversity than we tend to give the league credit for when this discussion inevitably comes up. I mentioned the Sixers. I mentioned the Nuggets. The Lakers didn't shoot a lot of threes and they won the title last year. The Warriors in the Durant years actually shot a lot of mid-rangers, didn't shoot a lot of threes and they won. I, I don't think it's as homogeneous as people make it out to be. And I also think the solutions are, are pretty radical. Like you've got to be willing to do. I agree with I, shrinking the lane to me is my favorite because that's not that hard to do and you don't have to shrink it dramatically, but everything else is you've had to would have to make some pretty big, big changes to the game and fans seem to like it. So I I get where people are going. I don't think it's as big a problem as, as others do. That said, I I thought the the ceiling on the amount of three teams would take, wouldn't get quite this high and it, it doesn't seem to be stopping. So ask me again in two or three years, I guess. Right. And the NBA, by the way, is on ESPN radio this weekend, Sunday night, Zion and the Pelicans host Kawhi and the Clippers. It's presented by indeed and coverage starts at eight thirty Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations quickly. While I have you Zach, um, let me just throw a quick thought at you as we begin the season's second half here in what is going to be really a wild time with the schedule being as compressed as it's going to be and who knows what we're about to embark upon here in these unprecedented circumstances but but I think the Nets are the most interesting team and and the, the Durant injury continues to linger which I think is of concern but assuming he does ultimately come back healthy um to to you are they the favorite have the Nets now with the Lakers struggles and everything else have the Nets become your favorite to win the championship I think they'd have to be only because of this. I think they're the clear undisputed favorite to win the East. And that alone makes them the favorite to win the title just because Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, et cetera, in the West, Jazz is going to be very, very hard. Just getting out of the West has a little more competition at the top. Top of the East is good, but it's not that good. So I think the Nets are clear favorites to win the East and sort of by that logic, de facto favorites to win the title. But, you know, I I do think they will reach a playoff series, whether it's the Eastern Conference Finals or the finals against one of these teams in the West, where being mediocre on defense is not going to be good enough. They're going to have to be like a little bit better than that because those teams in the West are really, really good. I mean, you saw what the Clippers did to Golden State last night. We know what the Lakers are at full health. I mean, it's not going to be easy. More recommended reading on ESPN.com is Zach's recent article about James Harden and the MVP race. Uh, Zach, you know I always appreciate it. Thank you, my man. Have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. You too, Greeny. Be well. All right, that's Zach Lowe with me here again. The podcast is called The Low Post. If you love basketball, then you don't need me to tell you. You already know that it is as good uh, as any that we have out there. We also have a podcast. This program is a podcast. It's called Hashtag Greeny. They take each of our two hours, make them into two separate one-hour podcasts, and you can listen to it anywhere you get your podcast. 
As we're talking, we have some breaking news. I, I, this is not enormous, uh, but I think it is significant. Um, I'm reading from Adam Schefter's Twitter. Tom Brady reached agreement with the Buccaneers today on a four-year contract extension that voids to a one-year extension that locks him into Tampa through the 2022 season. The extension saves the Bucks $19 million against the cap this year. The additional voidable years are there to defray the cost. It was another effort from Brady to keep as much of the team together as possible. Bear in mind, this team just franchise-tagged Chris Godwin. They've got a very important player on their defense who is scheduled to become a free agent, and that is Shaq Barrett, pass rusher extraordinaire. And Dominican Sue was another. And so Brady, as he did all those years in New England, is at it again, figuring out ways to work around his contract so he can continue to have players on the team that enable them to win. And but by the way, for those of you who may be thinking, what does that mean? A four year contract that is voidable to one. It's literally that NFL contracts are ludicrous. It is it is a contract that says four years, but then the, the last three of them are just voidable. So it just becomes a one year contract, but you can you can spread out the costs over four years. So it is a creative way of keeping things from becoming cap hits, which I happen to like. I mean, I, I think it's a good idea. Anything that enables, you know, players to get paid and teams to make moves is, is all fine by me. So one way or another, that's the news. It's not a surprise, but it also gives you a glimpse into the mindset of Tom Brady. He's got at least two more years now in his mind. That means his age 44 season and his age 45 season. That is the reporting from Adam Schefter here on ESPN Radio. Okay, next up, the list. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. All right, so I opened the show today talking about the the pandemic one year later and my feelings on it and, and just sharing some thoughts. I will spin that into the reason for today's list. When we started doing the show and there were no sports, and I had to leave my studios in New York and go up to Bristol, we had to adjust a lot of other things, just as you did. In your professional life, your personal life, in every way, you had to make a lot of adjustments. And I, at one point, we started doing stuff, and some of it was working. Some of it was good. Some of it was stuff that we learned. And I remember saying to Pete McConville, who's the coordinating producer of, of the TV show, Get Up, I remember saying to him, we should keep a file called, Why Weren't We Doing It This Way Anyway?, <laughs> Because there are a lot of things we figured out to do out of necessity that were actually better than what we were doing. And that is what today's green list is about. The top five things that changed because of the pandemic that I think are actually better and we should consider keeping. So here we go. Number five. Five is the NCAA tournament is about to be all played in one place. I actually brought this up a few months ago. I'm not sure why we don't do that anyway. Like, you watch a lot of these games, they move them all around. You got games in Norman, Oklahoma, and Spokane, and here and there and everywhere. That seems very inefficient. Seems expensive. Got teams flying all over the place. Pick one city every single year and play the tournament there. I actually think it's a good idea. I'm not sure what you gain from playing at all these places. A lot of times, they don't seem to be selling all the tickets. They got playing to half-empty arenas and all that kind of stuff. By the time the fourth game of the day is going on, no one's sitting in there. So I'm not sure that isn't a good idea to begin with, with or without the pandemic. So I think it's something to at least consider. They're playing the whole thing in Indianapolis this year. Then one year, you could play the whole thing in North Texas. I'm just making this up. And you could play it anywhere. Put it in big cities. Be fun. 
Put it in Chicago, put it in New York, put it in L.A., put it wherever you want to put it. Put it in smaller markets. I, I think they move that thing around, be like the Super Bowl. The NCAA tournament is coming to town. So I'm not sure that isn't something they should continue keeping. Here's the list of why weren't we doing this anyway here with me, the green list on ESPN Radio. Number four. Four is the universal DH. In the shortened baseball season that was, they went to the universal DH, and then as only baseball can, they screwed that up. Because when they came out of that season, they tried to stick that into another negotiation like it's some sort of pork in a congressional bill. And what they didn't do is what they should do, which is what's just in the best interest of the game. I used to sort of prefer the National League style of play. I I, I was an American League team fan growing up, but I've always liked the National League style of play because I like the dynamic of making a decision about your starting pitcher in the seventh inning. Well, those days are obviously long gone. Pitchers in the seventh inning are as old, as a tale much older than time. So without that, there's really not a lot of point in watching pitchers hit. It's just sort of one bad at bat at the beginning of the game, and there's nothing else to see. So it is time just to go to the universal DH. So that's something they should have kept coming out of the pandemic and something I believe they will go with. Number three. At number three, I, we need to find a way to continue hearing more of what is being said on the field, on the court, and in the huddles. I said recently that I have not missed the fans at these games. Now, I got shouted down, voted down, and generally mocked for saying that. I get it, obviously, that we all want the fans to come back for any number of reasons, and they're going to come back, and it'll be great. But what I have really enjoyed is hearing so many things you're not accustomed to hearing. You get to hear what's being yelled by the coach from the bench in a basketball game. You get to hear communication between the players on a football field, on a basketball court, and anywhere else because there isn't noise blocking that out. Now, I don't know exactly what the means to do that is, more miking up of players, more usage of that, but one way or another, hearing that has been awesome. Awesome. I'd rather hear that than anything. To me, that's the most interesting thing you can give me during a game is hearing the communication between the players and in in the, the appropriate sports between the coaches and the players. So there's gotta be some way of doing that. We've got to put together the geniuses who run our television network and all the other TV networks that televise sports and figure out ways that we can continue to hear that stuff even when the fans come back in full. Because hearing that stuff, I think, has been just great. It's the Green List here on ESPN Radio. Number two. The top five things that we should keep. Basketball coaches should continue to wear relaxed clothing. You know, it's kind of nice to see. Now, I've, I've always, I have for years made fun of the fact that baseball managers wear uniforms. I mean, it's just hilarious seeing these, sometimes these guys are 72 years old and out of shape and they're running around in a, in a baseball uniform. I never fully understood that. I miss the old days, Connie Mack in the suit. But the basketball coach has been kind of nice to see them dressed casually. College basketball, these guys are just wearing like, you know, team colors, whatever it is. I kind of like it. Kind of like co- basketball coaches wearing relaxed clothing. That's something that I think we should keep with us. But by far the most important, number one, because it's the most impactful. I liked the expanded baseball playoffs. I think they should stay with that. Now, again, they couldn't figure out a way to make that work because, you know, that turned into a fight between the players and the owners and everything is a fight. They can't get anything done that's in the best interest of the sport, which makes you want to smash your head into a brick wall. But I liked it. Maybe not quite as many teams as last year, but I do think more playoff teams was good. It was good to keep teams in the races. You know, shortening the schedule a little was also good. Not down to 60, but shortening it from 162 to something is a good idea. And expanding the playoffs was a good idea. And it's something that I think they should continue. 
So those are my five ideas of things that we should continue to do, things that have become better in sports since the pandemic. Play the whole tournament in one place in college basketball. The universal DH, hearing more of what's said on the field, the court, and the huddle. Basketball coaches wearing more relaxed clothing and expanding the baseball playoffs. That's what I think. Now I want to know what you think. I want your ideas for things that you've seen in the pandemic about sports that you think we should change, that should become permanent, that we should keep. Call me now, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Your calls on this are next after a word from ZipRecruiter. You know, finding great candidates to hire can be like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you need to do is hope the right person comes along. This is why you should try ZipRecruiter instead. It's powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. No more hoping. It's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So see for yourself. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. Your calls are next on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Welcome to my house indeed. Greeny with you presented by Progressive Insurance. And right now, getting set to take your calls at 888-SAY-ESPN. I just ran through the green list as we are now one year into this pandemic of the five things in sports that were forced to change that I kind of like and I think should stick. One of them is you could play the NCAA tournament in one place every year. It's all in Indianapolis this year. Not sure why you couldn't keep doing that. I love the universal DH in baseball, and I think it should have become permanent. I love hearing more of what is said on the field, the court, and in the huddle. I like basketball coaches wearing more relaxed clothing, and I like the idea of expanding the baseball playoffs as they did last year. So 888-SAY-ESPN, your thoughts on my list or your thoughts on something that you'd like to see changed are coming up here in a moment. After I remind you that the college basketball season is winding down and the Wendy's Wooden Watch is heating up, you can go to ESPN.com, search Wooden Watch for the list of the Wooden Award late season top 15 nominees to watch as the season rolls on. And you can see the ACC and Big 12 tournaments tonight on ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPN Radio. The John R. Wooden Award is presented by Wendy's. So again, that was my list. Let's see what you think. Uh, phone calls here are ready to go. Bubba, who is first up? First, we have Brady. All right, Brady, you're on ESPN Radio. Give me your idea. Hey, Greeny. First off, I want to say I love the show. Thank I have you. two. Um, one, I totally agree with you with no fans, but I like it in a PGA. Yeah. Just because there's no distractions, there's no one yelling anybody's backswing or downswing, there's no cameras going off, and it makes the players have to be more accurate off the tee because there's no fans trampling down the rock. I like that. Um, Let, let's talk a minute. Hold on. I'm going to give. I'm going to let you say your second one, but let's talk about that one for a minute, Brady. Here's where I miss the fans. I miss the fans at the green. 
I miss the fans to react to the great shot when it lands, when someone hits a great shot on a par three or anywhere. It's at the tee box that the fans drive you crazy, right? The fans around the tee box who are yelling, get in the hole or baba booey or some other nonsense, that's the stuff that drives yeah. you crazy. So maybe we can just keep the fans yeah. away from the tee box and let them hang out down by the green. I agree with that, especially okay. like on the, uh, the big putts and those big moments. That would be huge to have them Now back we're getting somewhere. All right, Brady, I like that one. What's the second one? Um, the second one was actually a question. Yesterday you said that you've only cheered twice in the uh, the press box. Yeah. And the first was when in uh, in Chicago with Magic. I was wondering what the second one was. They were both in Chicago. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know what? I'll tell you that off the top of the hour. I want to get in as many fans as we, uh, calls as we can. I promise you, in exactly 11 minutes off the top of our next hour, I will tell you what the other time I ever cheered in the press box was. Uh, thank you for the call, Brady. Let me get a few more in here, though, Bubba. Who's next? Charles is up. Charles, you're on ESPN Radio. Charles, what's your idea? Hey there, uh, Green. Love the show. Uh, Wildcat, class of 09, calling out Santa Monica. Um, you know, I, I really like the shortened NBA season starting off in the opener and uh, on Christmas Day. I, re- I think that's just a good time to do it. The, the season just seems a little extended to me these days. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that all sports in general, their seasons are too long. Football may be the only exception to that, and now they're adding a 17th game, which, again, if they made me the king of the world, which they should, I would never have done. So, in general, yes. And my biggest issue with the NBA schedule, less than when it starts and when it ends, is, 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 is load management and resting. And the bottom line of it to me is this. If the players can't play 82 games, then 82 games is too many. Baseball, 162 games, I understand that it is part of the tradition of the sport that the players don't play every single day. That's been ingrained in a fan's consciousness forever. I don't want that ingrained in a basketball fan's consciousness. That never was the way it is, and it isn't the way it should be. I do not want to live in a world where we just say, yeah, the season is 82 games, but, you know, your average player is going to play 68 of them, 74 of them. Don't like it. Don't like that at all. So my concern is less about when it starts and when it ends than than making sure that all the players, that there aren't too many games for all the players to play all the games. It's an excellent call. Thank you for that. Greening on ESPN Radio. Who's next, Bob? We got Pat. All right, Pat, what's your idea? Hey, Greeny, I think that we should keep the seven-inning doubleheaders from baseball. It's a long day for the players. I think it will lessen injuries. It will lessen the hesitation on trying to postpone a game and, you know, that decision. And I think it's a long day for the fans, too. If you look at some of those doubleheaders, the stadium's almost empty by the time the second game ends. I love it. I love that idea. Pat, I'm thrilled you said that. And I'll be honest with you, when I was putting together the list, I forgot that. (laughs) I would have put that on the list. That's well done, Pat, because – Here's the thing. Doubleheaders are something that are mostly gone anyway. Like They don't do it anymore. When I was growing up, I used to love going to doubleheaders. In fact, my best friend growing up had much younger brothers. So his parents got divorced. That's a long story. But his parents got divorced. His father got remarried and had, had two boys way younger. So my best friend Simon and I, when we were in, in our in t- late teens and our 20s, he had little brothers who were like six and eight and when we were home in the summer from college, we would take his brothers to the games. That's how I wound up rooting for the Mets because they were Met fans. So we would take them to the Met games and it was fun. And I remember going to doubleheaders. This would be, you know, the late 80s. Doubleheaders regularly on weekends. And it was fabulous. A doubleheader is a fabulous thing to do. You have, you just, what you do is you clear your day. We're not doing anything else today. I'm dedicating this whole day to these, to this experience 
and you show up at like noon. It's a nice hot sunny day, and you just start. You settle in a one you know one gate double header. Those are long gone, unfortunately, because everyone's just trying to figure out ways to make money, and I can't blame them for that. But I do like the double header, and I do like the seven inning double header. I know everyone thought oh, the seven the nine innings is sacrosanct. Okay, says you. I mean, we we are changing a lot of things. You can change the length of the game. Football's changing the length of the season. We could change the length of the game. Not for every game, but every now and again. A little a little variety. I don't mind it. Uh, anyway, I, will, I promise off the top of the next hour, I will tell you. I should have mentioned it yesterday. I told you yesterday, Magic Johnson was the only time I ever, one of two times I ever clapped in a press conference uh, or in a press box. I'll tell you what the other was next. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.